Blog Talk Radio. This is a post time with Mike and Mike production. Quiglet, Jiglet, what a race! Always be Mickey on the outside. Always be Mickey. They're off and it is on. And betting line has taken the lead. Two, two, boom! You're tuned in to Harness Racing's fastest 90 minutes post-time with Mike and Mike, with co-host Mike Carter. Believe in the spirit? Do you believe in miracles? And Mike Bozen. Smoking Gun, Shaman Hall, production Smoking Gun is flying. Here comes Smoking Gun. I don't know! That just happened! Coming off another big uh, harness racing action, you've got post time with Mike and Mike presented by Bet America. Mike Carter alongside of Mike Bozich. And Mike, I tell you what, we have had an extremely busy couple of weeks and finally a week where we only have one show during the week, buddy. Yeah, it feels like a couple of days off, certainly, but we've got a great show on tap for you today, Mike. Of course, we're going to have a little bit of the fallout in Vegas. We have a brand new USDA president, Russell Williams is the new president of the United States Trotting Association. It actually took a couple of votes. The first one, he did not get to the magic number of 28. The second round, he got right to the magic number of 28. And our guy from the DRF, Derek Gibner, was one of the first to interview Russell Williams right after the election. We're going to hear from Derek Gibner right at 115. Plus, Mike, your buddy from TVG is going to join us. He won a, an HHI uh, Clyde Hurt Media Award at the uh, awards banquet, the usual awards and uh, Harness Horsemen's International. Tom Cassidy towards the bottom of the hour. Mike, I watch Tom all the time on TVG. Yeah, I love uh, having uh, talked to Tom a couple of times when I was at Buffalo Raceway. And, you know, uh, he, he kind of uh, helped me along a little bit while I was there uh, in the announcing game. We're also going to talk to our good man, Gabe Pruitt. And, uh, Mike, you know, we got some interesting things going on at Pompano Park this week, including the Pro-Am Challenge. And one of our sponsors, New Vocations, helped sponsor that event. Yeah, our good man, Gabe Pru. We're going to kind of keep it. You know, we've been giving him a hard time over the last couple of weeks. So I think uh, today's just going to be a, a straight, normal fastball right down the middle. We'll keep it straight with our guy, Gabe. There's a lot of going-ons at Pompano Park. Plus, we want to get his comments about all the happenings that uh, occurred in Las Vegas. Plus, towards the top of the hour, Mike, a very important interview because I know from being from the uh, Illinois area and a longtime fan of Chicago Harness Racing that the slots bill there uh, has been very, very elusive. It's been very elusive for Chicago racetracks to get slots, and they've got another gaming bill that is on the table. It just passed the Senate committee, narrowly headed to the House, and we've got the executive director of the Illinois Harness Horsemen's Association, Tony Simone, on to kind of break down this bill, Mike. And like I told Tony off the air when I was talking to him, I had a chance to talk to him yesterday. He was actually in Vegas, was on a plane, and is on a plane right now, so couldn't talk to him live, uh, despite all the prep work that you did, Mike Carter. But nonetheless. <laughs> yeah, we won't go. Listen, listen, for those of you wondering what he's talking about, so I call him before the show and I say, Hey, you know, uh, you know, I, I got a question about this article that I found 
And, you know, I'm going to ask this guy. And he goes, don't you remember I recorded the interview? So I'm, I spent 30 minutes trying to, you know, find stuff. And, bam, it's been recorded already. But that's all right. We're going to talk to our man, uh, Jim Miller, possibly next week, right? Yeah, we're going to try to get him on the show next week. Jim is also a USDA director now. So congratulations to Jim. He had a chance to partake in his very first USDA election. But Tony Simone's going to break down the meat and potatoes of that all-important bill uh, that is headed to Springfield. So we'll talk to Tony towards the top of the hour. We've got a lot, a busy, busy edition here at Post Time with Mike and Mike on this beautiful Thursday afternoon in Oakton, Maryland. When we come back, we're going to relive the Ushua Awards. We're going, we condensed about an hour and a half all down into about five or six minutes. And we're going to hear that next on Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Hey, I'm Chantel Sutherland-Cruz and want to tell you all about BetAmerica.com. It's the coolest place to bet on horse racing on over 200 racetracks from America and around the world. New players receive a 100% bonus on your first deposit, up to $300. That's the best sign-up bonus available today. It's time to play the Bet America way. Racing returns to the Downs at Mohegan Sun Pocono on Saturday, March 18th. Opening night post time is 6.30 p.m. with a chance to win up to $100 in live racing vouchers. Grab your program, drop the attached registration coupon in the box of the clubhouse lobby, and winning names will be announced after races 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and 10. Racing continues in March on the 21st, 25th, 26th, and 28th. Get the full schedule at Mohegan SunPocono.com. Get ready for another record-breaking season at the Downs. The New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program places retired racehorses into approved monitored homes and transitions them into second careers. New Vocations has placed over 350 retired standard breads the past three years. They are now accepting horses from all racetracks in the United States. New Vocations has facilities in Ohio, Kentucky, and Pennsylvania, and is expanding to New York. To learn more, visit newvocations.org and on Facebook at New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program. All right, everybody, let's get it going. On behalf of all the members of Oshawa, I'd like to welcome you to the 2017 Dan Patch Awards Banquet, sponsored by Hoosier Park. This year... Our leading Winback Farm owner is Burke Racing. Our leading Winback Farm trainer is Ron Burke Stable. And our leading driver for the Winback Farm's leading driver is Yannick Jingra. Would Bob Bonney please come forward? It's a great honor for me to make this presentation, especially in, for one of the awards, was for my dear friend, uh, very special person, Leo McNamara, and Mike Izzo as well. It's a great honor for me. Please welcome HHI President Tom Lucinto to present the second Lifetime Achievement Award. I am pleased to present tonight's Dominic Frianzi Person of the Year Award to trainer George T. And, and part of my part of it is I've just been blessed to have a little bit of luck to have Wiggly Jiggle and, and family members behind me and people like Clyde Francis, so I'm just lucky. Well, like the man said, if you've never been on your feet, you better get up now. Here's Roger Houston. The biggest criticism that I've got over the years is that I call every race like the Little Brown Jug. 
you got to remember, though, a lot of horsemen don't have the opportunity to race in the little brown jug. And for that one race, it might be their little brown jug. Tom Cassidy of TVG uh, got his start uh, in harness racing. Before he could basically walk, he was sitting in the jog cart. Uh, it's an honor to have my name in the same program as Roger Houston, let alone right next to it. It is my distinct honor to present the 2017 HHI Appreciation Award to Chaplain Lee Alton. If you ever need a prayer, please give me a call, send me an email. I want to be there for you. I'm overseeing the health and pension programs until 216. We present an HHI Lifetime Achievement Award to Mike Izzo. And if she wasn't so good at her job, we'd probably have a different horse of the year. The Harness Horse Youth Foundation Service to Youth Award winner, ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Patty Hogan. It's a pleasure to do something today for any young person, hopefully turning them on to this great sport of harness racing. And award sponsor, Hard Rock Roxino Northfield Park, are honored to present the 2016 Caretaker of the Year Award to Justin McCachran. My filly, uh, thank you for making me look good. And of course, the amazing Heather Vitale. I appreciate everything you've done for me this past year, and it's, it's been great. I thank you so much, and uh, thank you. Accepting a record ninth, Hervey is Dave Briggs. Not a surprise, because this industry is a fantastic, generous industry, but that was just truly outstanding. So thanks for helping make a bad story into a much better one. Accepting her second Hervey, Melissa Keith, and accepting his inaugural Hervey, Keith McCalman. Thank you for those who were personally supportive of me in the past year as well, so much appreciated. Winning an inaugural Hervey, Let's Go Racing LLC, accepting Bruce Casella and Heather Vitale. I love you. I love you, too. Uh, you know, I just want to say, tonight, it's the Oscars, and this is the Oscars of harness racing, right? So I can't leave here without pure Hollywood style. I just, I need to say this. I feel a lot of stress in the room. And I know a lot of you have been supporting a very powerful man in our country. And there's a lot of you that have been supporting a very powerful woman. And I just want to say that. I know that Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie are going to work things out. So I do not want there to be any animosity. Accepting back-to-back Smalls-Reed Awards is Clive Cohen. And most of all, I'd like to thank my wife who lets me go to the track every single night and uh, stay there five nights a week forever. Accepting a record sixth Smalls Reed is Mark Hall. And I, too, would like to thank my wife all the, for all the time late nights at the track. Alan Prince, Ashwan of the Year, is Tom Hicks. You know, this is really your award, for it is the owner's trainers, drivers, and caretakers that produce the horses that we write about. Mike Tanner, Executive VP and CEO of the USTA, noted, she exemplifies everything that is right about this industry. The Leanne Pooler unsung hero is Barbara Brooks. Well, Ushua, I can't thank you very much for this great honor. Mr. Tanner came down one day and told me it had happened. I said, Mr. Tanner, I can't believe it. But thank you, thank you very much. 
I'm proud to present the 2016 President's Award to New Vocations, accepting as Winnie Morgan Nemeth. For the past 25 years, New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program has placed over 6,000 retired racehorses into new homes. Joe Hurley accepts the award for the Pacing Broodmare of the Year, Art Stopper. Yo, I be rapping in place of the mayor. She say do it. I accept the dare. Accepting for Trotting Broodmare of the Year, Can't Have It All, are the Breeders of the Year, Marvin Katz and Al Lipfeld. I'm privileged to stand here and accept these awards, but as Al said, it's a team effort, and we firmly believe in the team that has brought us to this point. For the second straight year, the Amateur Driver of the Year is Hurricane Hannah Miller. I just want to quickly say thank you to the owners and trainers that have put me up. The Lou Barish Breakthrough Award winner, Allison Conte. I will continue to work for you and with you to be the change that we want to be in this sport because I am 28 years old and I am all in, and we are all in this together. The Rising Star Award winner, Marcus Miller. Uh, I'm so proud of Hannah. Congrats to her. She's the best. Uh, I. I have more fun watching her, I think, than driving myself sometimes, so I just uh, really enjoy that. Congrats to her and uh, even Nick. <laughs> Well, I think the line of the night, Mike Carter, as we kind of went through that condensed version of the usual awards, is when a good friend of the program, Allison Conti, who uh, does a lot of work for the USDA and their social media uh, marketing campaign, she said that she's 28 years old and she's all in. I thought that was a very powerful statement, and uh, I thought that could have been uh, the quote of the the whole uh, awards with the exception of Marcus Miller towards the end, thanking family. And he said, and I think even Nick. <laughs> well, <laughs> of course definitely. he was referring to Nick Zurich. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. Well, Mike, I just actually, you know, it's funny during that seven minute thing, I called Allison real quick, you know, the world trotting conference is soon. So we'll have to discuss that in a little bit. And, uh, you know, kind of, kind of talk about what's coming up at PEI, uh, in just a, uh, in just a few short weeks, but you know, it was a lot of fun to listen to that because, you got to hear some of the people's reactions and, you know, guys like Marcus Miller and uh, ladies like uh, Hannah Miller and Allison Conti are the new young blood. And it's nice to see them winning some of these awards, Mike. Yeah, and it was very nice to see the Unsung Hero Award go to Barbara Brooks, who has been to the USTA for 62 years, has done a lot of work for that organization. So congratulations to her and the President's Award going to another friend of the program, Mike Winnie Morgan Nemeth from New Vocations. Congratulations to all of the award winners on their special day. We'll have more fallout from Las Vegas. The DFS Darren Givener will be joining us on the program on the flip side of this commercial break. You've got post time with Mike and Mike presented by Betamax. America. Here at the stable, our mission is to provide fair market for owners of yearlings while giving investors the most informative way to purchase all of or part of a horse. The stable will cater to all budgets by having an open fractional buying market and a flat rate billing system. At the stable, we aim to minimize the risk in buying and maximize the benefit of selling. Visit thestable.ca or give Anthony McDonald a call at 519 400 
519-400-4263. That's 519-400-4263. It's the stable.ca. After last year's record-setting season, Running Aces Casino and Racetrack in beautiful Minnesota is gearing up for its 10th anniversary season of live harness racing action from May 20th to September 16th this year. Come join the first-class racing at our top-notch facility. For horsemen, stall applications are available starting February 15th and are due by March 15th. For racing fans, Running Aces will also be adding more excitement with additional new multi-race wagers this season. You can find our product at most simulcasting facilities across North America and on your favorite ADW site. For simulcasting agreements, contact Ben Flum at Running Aces. Don't miss any of the action. For more information, visit our website, runaces.com. Northwood stands ready to serve its growing customer base in representing them at both yearling and mixed sales and in private purchases of racing and breeding stock. If you're looking into the harness racing marketplace as a buyer or seller, call Northwood today. Northwood is the most experienced and professional representation for public auction and private sales. Northwood is now accepting entries to the 2017 yearling sales. Visit them online at northwoodbloodstock.com. That's northwoodbloodstock.com. We're back on Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Mike Bozich, along with Mike Carter. Don't forget, TBG's Tom Cassidy will be joining us towards the bottom of the hour, as well as the executive director of the Illinois Harness Horsemen's Association, Tony Simone, plus Big Gabe. Gabe Pruitt's going to be in the house. We're going to talk a little bit about Pompano Park. But first, it's the Daily Racing Forum's very own Derek Gibner. Derek, you, uh, I believe you had the very first interview with the newly elected president of the USTA, Russell Williams. Give us your thoughts on how that interview went and how you thought uh russell felt after uh getting elected the second go-round yeah i kind of grabbed him as soon as he got off the stage and uh after he became elected and uh i don't know i'll be honest he probably wasn't my top candidate to take the job but i do get the impression that uh he, he he's gonna take the job and run with it i don't think he's gonna be as and as much of an establishment candidate as maybe he leads on, I think if someone comes to him with a good idea, he's the kind of guy who's going to take it and he'll run with it. Um, though I do believe that, you know, the board really directs where everything goes nowadays and when it comes to them. With, and to get 60 people to agree to anything is n- never easy. Now, Derek, uh, we had a little bit of a uh, a little bit of a moment just before the USTA presidential election, at, just after uh, everybody turned their ballots in, and we found out that the kind of the voting rules uh, ha- had changed and that a majority would be needed. What was the uh, reaction like in the room when that was announced? I think most people were surprised. I mean, I, I know I was shocked because I remember having some conversations with. Uh, some people from the USTA, you know, a week prior or whatever, where I was told that majority would rule right off the bat. Um, so it, it was a little bit surprising to everyone in the room when that happened. And, uh, you know, 
ultimately it didn't really come into play because the guy who won the uh, first vote ended up winning the second vote. Um, uh, maybe a little surprising that so many people, uh, you know, swayed from their original decision uh, after just one vote and didn't wait a little bit longer, perhaps. You know, when you're watching it on the live stream, and that's exactly what uh, Mike Carter and I did, when you're watching it on the live stream, you obviously don't get the full view of what's going on in the room. And, and there was kind of a lot of dead time there between uh, the reading of the first ballot votes, and then there was, good gosh, probably about another 10 minutes or so while the ballots were being passed out. But it seemed like and I don't want to say politicking because I think that's kind of a uh, a word that you know we we really don't want to use. But there seem to be a lot of discussions, a lot of different um, groups, if you will, talking about it. Was that indeed the case? I, I didn't really get the impression that people were discussing who they were going to vote for. It just kind of seemed like uh, just chatter throughout the room. I noticed Jason Settlemore after the first vote went up to the stage and. Uh, spoke to Ivan Axelrod. I don't know exactly what he was telling him. Um, a lot of the time in between was spent just counting out the ballots. It seemed like it took quite a while. Maybe they were just you know, making sure that uh, every ballot is correct or whatever. But a, a lot of the time really was just sitting there watching three people at the front of the table just uh, counting to make sure they got the right total. Now, Derek, obviously there was a lot more going on than just the presidential election. Uh, obviously, um, we had rule changes being discussed. Uh, talk to us a little bit more about your experience uh, there, and uh, did you attend the Ushua Awards as well? I was definitely there for the Ushua Awards. Um, I thought that uh, overall it was uh, well-received. The room was uh, much bigger than some of the past rooms we've been in, which was nice, gave people, uh, you know, a lot of times in the past, you'll find with a small room, people will go outside and they'll mingle outside if they want to get away from, you know, you know, the awards area. And in this particular room, it was so big, people could go to the back, which was was quite nice. Um, I, w- I did not attend all the uh, USDA meetings. Um, I was happy with some of the rule changes that took place, though. I mean, the fact that they're going to notate when a horse is going to is going to start from the second tier in the PP line, I thought that was important and also uh there was a rule passed as far as pylon violations to make them uh, a little bit more uh, uh, similar across the board and i thought that was a very important rule change as well visiting live with Derek Gibner from the daily racing forum Derek, i think this this time around uh, and phil langley's been you know been president for a long long time but i i think this time around and i don't want to say you know i get Tentative when I say that harness racing has turned a corner, but you know, listen, we had a debate. We've had I know Ryan Macedonio has interviewed uh, all these guys at length. Um, you know, with the advent of social media and a lot of different ideas pouring in from a lot of different uh, age groups uh, and segments of the business, it just seems like this election was really a lot different and this meeting was really a lot different than a lot of the others. Um, do you think that harness racing starting to turn a corner on the open debate and exchange of ideas in our industry? I think it, it was different in some extent, you know, I think social media and, you know, the way technology is nowadays, you're allowed to have a lot more free changing flowing of ideas, so to speak. And I think we got that this year, you know, that being said, you're still ultimately talking to a room of 60, you know, board members, most of them who are track executives or, you know, members of tracks who think they're doing a pretty good job, I would imagine. And, 
you know, an establishment candidate is more likely to win, you know, in, in these circumstances. I think the fact that a large number of people voted for Jason Settlemore and also for Joe Panaccio showed that, you know, some people are interested in change and perhaps those people were listening to all these, um, you know, these podcasts with Ryan and yourself, obviously the, the, you know, the uh, two and a half hour, three hour debate that you guys had. I got to give Ryan a, a lot of credit. Whereas through most of this process, I don't know that he necessarily, you know, projected himself as presidential, so to speak. I thought that when he got on stage and presented his points, you know, in front of the board, he did an excellent job. He brought up some really good points and, I'm hoping that uh, some of the people in the room will take what he uh, said uh, to heart and uh, maybe act on it in the future. Now, Derek, I want to get your opinion on something because you were there for the uh, while they discussed the rule changes. And one of the rules that was discussed was giving a percentage of the purse money um, to a horse for aftercare. And, you know, we talk all the time about, you know, we need to, you know, kind of create like a fund for these horses or, you know, we need to raise money for these horses. Why do you think something like this can't pass when it seems like everybody is talking about it? I think it's very hard to convince um, horsemen's organizations to take money out of their pocket. I mean, that's basically the bottom line. I think it's the kind of thing with just with a lot of other things in the sport, whether you're talking um, uh, drugs or you're talking, um, beer trainers or whatever you're talking about. It's very hard for horsemen groups to look down the road to the future, and they're very short-sighted in my opinion. And I think individually, if you talk to different you know, drivers and trainers, they're, they're all very much in favor of it. But when it comes to speaking out or you know, taking a leadership role in that, doesn't necessarily happen. Derek, one final question before we let you go. What would you like to see done differently uh, with elections and the way the USDA conducts these kind of things going forward? What are some of the th- how can we improve on it? I actually thought this election was done very well. I mean, with the exception of the issue with the vote at the end where they didn't know exactly uh, how it was going to be conducted. I thought this was done very well by the USDA. And I think overall their staff, you know, deserves a lot of credit. They there's a lot of hardworking people there behind the scenes that no one ever gets to see. I like like the fact that we got to the debate was was quite good. I thought it it was a little long. Maybe you know it didn't you know keep everyone's attention for the whole thing. But I thought it was very good in the fact that we got the word out there of all the candidates. I think uh, the fact that a lot of them had um, uh, written answers to questions in different publications was very good. Uh, I think we we took a huge step in the right direction uh, with this whole um, election process. And uh, hopefully uh, we'll continue that going forward. Uh, Two more years, we're going to have to do it again. And uh, who knows who will be elected then. I'm hoping that Russell does a great job, and I I expect he he will do a great job. And I'm a little bit disappointed here that we're not talking about Pompano. I thought I was coming on to talk about Pompano (laughs) Park. (laughs) <laughs> well, listen, we got Big Gabe coming on to talk about. He's the guy. He's the guy at Pompano. Everything that when we talk Pompano, everything's got to go through him. So we got to go through the proper channels. No, well, I was just there. I was in Florida. I went to Pompano. It was uh, a good job, and uh, I got to take a ride in the Humber starting car and everything. It, it was uh, always a fun deal going to Pompano Park. No, so you got to get it. Go ahead. Only celebrities get to go in that starter car. So uh, that, that's good, man. 
Well, Derek, you got a chance to spend some time with my good buddy Adam Brownlee, the starter down there. Me and uh, me and Adam, at, you know, Adam's quite the golfer, you know. Yeah, well, you know what? I didn't know his name or anything, but he was uh, very courteous to my two kids who were in the uh, car there. And you know what the great thing about Pompano is? You go there, the weather's nice, and the track apron is full of people. And it's, yeah. you know what? I so rarely get to go to the track where there's people everywhere. It, it, it felt nice. All right. Well, we can't say too many good things about Gabe Pruitt, so at this point we're going to have to let you go, my <laughs> friend. <laughs> I, I could say a lot of good things about him. How long do you have? Yeah. Uh, he's, a, he's a great guy. Listen, Derek, we appreciate you joining us. Uh, and uh, once again, anybody wants to uh, – I know you got some good things going on at the RF Harness, so I want you to give that a little bit of a plug. Where can we go find all that stuff? No doubt about it. Everyone can come check out our website at drf.com slash harness. If you go to the top of the page, there's a little – button that says newsletter click on there you could sign up for our weekly newsletter which will come out today and i'll have some more thoughts about what went on in uh, vegas when i was out there and uh, you could also check us out on twitter and facebook uh, at the rf harness all right good work buddy we'll be talking to you thank you very much guys all right, that was Derek Givner from the Daily Racing Forum. Uh, Derek was one of the first, uh, or he was the first to get Russell Williams' uh, kind of initial reactions after getting elected there. But, yeah, a lot going on, Mike, and I think the UST elections uh, kind of overshadowed a lot of what was going on. There was a lot of proposed uh, rule changes, a lot of business that I think kind of flew under the radar because of the elections and the usual awards, Mike. Yeah, I agree with that. But, you know, it it was so nice and refreshing to kind of hear these guys uh, talk about what they were going to do for harness racing during their five minutes. Uh, Obviously, uh, everybody got to go up and say what they wanted to say. But, you know, it it just it was nice. They all were very uh, cordial to each other, which is fantastic. Something we didn't get to see in the U.S. presidential election. But um, obviously, we didn't have to worry about uh, any uh, anybody taking stabs at anybody or calling the other ones ugly. No, absolutely not. No, no Rosie O'Donnell. But when we right. come back, it's our good friend from TBG, Tom Cassidy. He won an award uh, at the usual awards in Vegas over the past couple of days, and we'll talk to him about that. On the flip side of this commercial break, you've got Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Consider who we are. According to the 2010 Equine Census, We are 28,340 people with 81,000 horses on 16,040 properties that comprise 587,000 acres. Our assets are $5.6 billion. Our direct operating expenses are $363 million. And our economic impact has never been accurately measured, but is in the billions. We are every breed and every discipline in the horse world, and we are the place where many of those disciplines began in these United States. We are the Maryland Horse Council. For more information, visit mdhorsecouncil.org. That's mdhorsecouncil.org. Action is always hot at Harness Racing's Winter Capital Pompano Park. With guaranteed pools, constant carryovers, and industry load takeouts, 
Pompano Punk has become one of Arnos Racing's greatest horseplay attractions. Live racing five nights per week, Sunday through Wednesday and Saturday too, for the most time of 7.20 p.m. Eastern. Wager now at Harness Racing's winter capital, Pompano Park. Embroidery Unlimited is a premier provider of quality embroidery, screen printing, and promotional products. Our commitment to quality and pride in our work is second to none. We focus on quality and customer service. For all of your stable or business needs, Embroidery Unlimited is the number one provider in harness racing. Give Jim Winsky a call at 508-485-5522. That's 508-485-5522. Or visit them on the internet at EmbroideryUNL.com. That's EmbroideryUNL.com. Embroidery Unlimited. Live on post time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Mike Carter, alongside of Mike Bozich, and we're joined now by TVG's own Tom Cassidy. And Tom, how are you today, sir? I'm doing very well. How about you guys? How are you? Not too bad. Well, Tom, uh, I was going back and looking through uh, some of your old bios and things, and talk to us about how you got your start in harness racing. Well, I grew up with family that always had, you know, a couple of horses that would race at Freehold or Meadowlands or Garden State. And, uh, you know, it's funny, our, our whole family is always supportive of one another. And I'm talking, you know, uncles, aunts, cousins, grandparents. So whenever a horse was, was racing, it would be a four-claimer at Freehold on a Thursday and it was snowing. And the whole family was there just to show the support and, you know, and, and hope for the best result. And it, it started from there, you know, going to the barn in the mornings on the weekends or, you know, during school when we had uh, vacation from school. It was just something that always, you know, I always look forward to. You know, and I remember taping the Meadowlands replay show when I was a little kid because it was too late to stay up for. You had to go to school the next morning. It was just always something that I was always excited about all day, every day, thinking about it, talking to my cousin or my uncles, you know, how's the horse doing? You know, when when are we racing again? And, you know, they always made sure I was involved. And that really just helped me fall in love, you know, with harness racing and, and keep my heart in it, you know. Tom, uh, Mike Bozich here. We watch you on TVG all the time. You're one of my uh, five-year-old's fa- most favorite hosts. Well, you and Dave Weaver and uh, Lesonaki, he likes supporters <laughs> at the end, even though he shouldn't be up that late. I probably shouldn't have said anything about that. But uh, tell us how you got involved with TVG and how that went. Well, the real question i got to ask you is, can you tell the difference between Dave Weaver and myself? Because many uh, can't. They always say that we look <laughs> we look very much alike. In fact, even some days in the office at work, somebody will walk by and go, hey, Dave, I'll just say good morning. <laughs> but uh but uh you know tvg uh I, I really i have to thank christina blacker she was known as christina Oliveris um when she was at monmouth park uh, for the elite meet when they had the, the big summer season um she sent me a text message hey do you want to come on the air and you know come on for a race or so and you know my fingers were shaking as i was texting her back saying yes please that would be great you know i would love to and uh you know we did one race we did a post parade we covered the race we did a replay and, uh, you know, I was getting ready to thank her for the opportunity of a lifetime. And, and I, you know, that was it. And, uh, you know, I shook her hand and Christina goes, well, come back tomorrow. I said, really? She goes, yeah, come back tomorrow. So every day that Christina was there, I jumped on for at least a race or two. And then uh, when Christina went back to California, Paula Duca came out. And Paul and I really, 
uh, you know, hit it off. He would say, you know, if you can, stay out here for the whole afternoon. Stay here for the whole card. You know, and, and my boss at Monmouth Park, John Himes, said, you know what? He goes, come in early, get all your work done, and go for it. I said, are you sure? He goes, yeah. He goes, go for it. This is your dream, right? I said, yeah, you know, if, if you don't mind. He goes, no, just come in early, get your work done, and, and go out and, and, and enjoy and, and, you know, turn it into something. So, you know, he was really behind me and gave me a lot of the, a lot of the support and allowing me to do something like that. So, you know, there were mornings I was showing up at Monmouth a few hours before I had to be there just to make sure I had my work done. And, and then I would spend the whole afternoon on TVG with Paul and, you know, we would go back and forth. And the best part is, is after the shift was over, after the last of Monmouth, we would hang out and bet the Meadowlands all night. And that's how he saw that I really loved harness racing. And, you know, harness racing is a big passion of mine. And, and that, you know, I, I knew it a little bit. Luckily, we, you know, we hit a pick four one night for about 1100 and change. And I could see the light kind of go off in his head and going, maybe this kid knows a thing or two. We should try to get him out to TVG. And ever since then, he really pushed for me to get on the network. And, and he's, he was a big part in, in me getting hired by TVG. Tom, let's talk about a little bit about the weekend. You had an exciting weekend in Vegas where you won an Ushua Award. Tell us a little bit about what that was like to uh, to accept that award. You know, it's, it, it's funny because every day during the week, we, you know, we're on the air for three, four hours at a time. And, you know, it, it's not as nerve-wracking. But when I walked up to the stage, I could feel my heart racing, my chest, uh, you know, I'm shaking. It, it's, it's somewhat intimidating to talk in front of a big room, which is something I wouldn't, you know, I didn't imagine would – would get me all worried, but, uh, you know, it's, it's truly an honor to, to be able to get an award like this, you know, the Clyde Hurt Media Award, uh, thank you to the Harness Horseman International, Mr. Lachento and, and everybody who, who made it possible. Um, you know, it's something that I never, I never thought I would, I would receive. And, you know, getting to see my name in the same program next to uh, Rogers Houston was, was also something I never thought I would see as well. Um, but, uh, it was, it's truly an honor, you know, and, you know, I, I got a, I, I got to say, I never thought I could, you know, receive an award like this. But you know, I'm, I'm just happy to be a part of it. I'm happy to, to to promote harness racing. You know, like I said, there were, you know, there were days where you know, I couldn't wait to get out of school and go catch the late double or freehold, or you know, take the drive up to the Meadowlands with a few buddies of mine, and you know, try to get them involved in it. And um, you know, it's it, it's just amazing to to get to this kind of point. You know, you, you don't think about it when you're 11 and 12. You can't wait to get up early before school and watch the replay show from the night before. Absolutely, Tom Cassidy from TVG joining us. Tom, let's shift gears a little bit. Uh, we all know you're a pretty good handicapper, both harness and thoroughbreds. Uh, let's focus a little bit on harness. When you first open a program, when you're handicapping a car to a race, what are some of the first things that you look for? Well, first thing I'll, I'll kind of glance. For some drop downs and, and see if there are any hidden decent lines against tougher, you know, a few starts back. And then uh, the big key for me is replays. I, I have to watch, it could take me five hours to get through a card because you're watching, you know, 40, 50, 60 replays. So that, that's, that's the big key for me is trip notes and replays and just trying to find hidden trouble. You know, it, it's, it's harder to find hidden trouble because replays are so, you know, so available. For, for everybody on, on a, an on-demand basis. But, you know, that's the big key for me, hidden trip notes and and just trying to see if there are any, uh, you know, any aggressive driver changes, if, if there's a change that, you know, I, I know somebody's going to leave here from, you know, from the outside and take a shot and try to go to the, you know, to the lead. But the big key for me, it's replays, you know, um, trip notes, company lines, the, the key races, if anybody's coming out of a, a live race. And, you know, the way to make that the most successful, which, 
is tough to do, and and I very rarely get to do it, is just to try to find that key race before it's noticed by anybody else. And that's that's where you find the the price and and uh, you know and hope to get that that value. But it's uh, it, it's tough, but that's the beauty of it because when you're right, you get rewarded. And handicapping harness and thoroughbred is obviously a a, a whole different ball game. It, it, it is for the most part. There there are a lot of different things to you know to worry about um, or, or to to keep notes on. You know at, at the Meadowlands, since you know we get to cover it on PBG. Um, you know, the, the big thing that I keep a note on for the Meadowlands is, is the wind, you know, is there a home stretch headwind is, you know, are, are those final quarter times slow because of the wind or are they fast because, you know, the wind's behind them. Um, that's a big thing, but you know, for Thorbets too, I kind of go with the same idea. I, I go with trip notes, key races, you know, claims, you know, what, what barn's going very well and, and what riders are going very well. And, uh, you know, track buys is, um, is, is also, a big key for me, at least, um, you know, with the thoroughbreds, because, you know, there are some days where, you know, if the track is, is slow, they haven't had any rain. Well, a lot of times, you know, we'll see some slow times. And, you know, I think some people will just glance over and say, Oh, that time was slow. But you know, for me, I like to go back and well, why was that time slow or, or what caused that time to be slow? And is that a true time or do we adjust or, or something along those lines? But um, <clears throat> yeah, it, there's, you kind of have to switch mindsets when you go from thoroughbred to harness or, you know, if you do a harness card, then go to a thoroughbred card, you kind of have to switch and get yourself into that mode. All right. Harness mode or all right. Thoroughbred mode. But, uh, you know, either way it's, they're both still a lot of fun to handicap and, and replays is the biggest part for me with both. You know, with the access to information that has uh, improved, I mean, if you go back 15, 20, 25 years, especially in the thoroughbred game, where you used to have guys with notebooks that used to just keep track of of uh, workouts and, and trainer tendencies and how well trainer did after, uh, you know, 60 days out or off a layoff or from turf right. to dirt or from sprint to, to uh, a distance of ground. And now all of that is pretty much covered in the DRF. I mean, you could look at a horse's past performance and tell right away if a trainer is uh, any good off a layoff or if any trainer is good with a first-time starter. How has that affected handicappers? Because I know, like I say, a lot of these guys just keep notes on that, and now that information is readily available. And I think a big way to find value is to try to get an edge over, obviously, what everybody else sees. How has that affected, uh, you know, basic handicapping? Uh, it, it's kind of just made it a, a little tougher to find those $13, $14 horses because – you know, years ago, um, I'm assuming that, you know, when guys were walking out with those big notebooks, you know, they had those claim stats to themselves or they had, you know, a stat to themselves, an angle that they really liked. And now it, it's obvious, you know. So <clears throat> years ago, it may have paid $13 or $14. Nowadays, you might be looking at 7 or $8. You know what I mean? So it, it can change the the – the angle, whereas now we kind of have to, to tweak things and, and figure out a, a different part of the angle or, or something, um, you know, along those lines, because, yeah, I mean, the information is great and it, it's great that it's available for everybody to see. It, it just, um, you know, it, it makes it more fun too for handicapping because now you have to go back and, you know, you have to watch those replays or you have to uh, go through formulator, which is, uh, you know, something I use every day when I'm looking at the door, but it's, it's, to me, it's, it's one of the best things there there is. It's, because you can look at charts and you can see every horse's past performances or every horse's lifetime PPs if you click on the horse out of the chart. So you can really get a good idea of those company lines and who that field, who that horse has been running against, what that field looked like that, that you know, that he beat last time or, 
you know, it's, it's really a, a tremendous thing. And formulator to me is the biggest part of, of the handicapping because you know, you can see who's coming out of that race next time out. And, you know, a lot of times when you look in the past performances, you'll see italicized letters for horses that won next out, but that's only for the top three. So if you get the fifth, sixth and seventh place finishers that came out to win, but the top three didn't do anything, but you have to find that on formulator or keep your own chart notes. So, I mean, it's still, you know, the $15, $16, you know, a dollar winners are still there. There's no doubt about it. It just makes it a little more difficult. Sometimes maybe a little more frustrating, but mostly more fun to find. Yeah, I know a lot of people that that's pretty much their bread and butter. They're uh, completely field betters. I mean, they'll look and see what winners come, uh, you know, any horses that come out of that field that have won. And uh, those, you know, that'll be the horse no matter how they finished. Listen, we really appreciate you joining us. Uh, Tom Cassidy, everybody from the uh, from TVG, you do great work over there. Congratulations on your uh, award, my friend. Guys, I really appreciate it. I'm a big fan of you guys. I love the work and, and I love the race calls as well. And, and um, thanks for having me on. Happy to do it anytime. And, uh, yeah, Meadowlands will be on TVG tonight, tomorrow, Saturday. And, you know, I just want to say we've been trying to, to get the thoroughbred players to take a look at the Meadowlands at night. You know, we have a thing called the Money Back Special. It's available on Race 9 on Thursdays at the Meadowlands. So uh, if you have an account with TVG.com, so check it out. We're trying to get new, uh, new thoroughbred players to look at the harness game, and, and hopefully we'll make it happen. All right. Good stuff, buddy. Guys, thanks, thanks for having me, and uh, look forward to talking to you again soon. All right, that was Tom Kennedy from TBG. Mike, uh, a guy that uh, you've you've had a past with. Uh, we were talking off the air. A guy that helped you out a little bit. Was that right? Yeah, you know Tom. Uh, he was on uh, with Race Nights uh, for Buffalo Raceway on Wednesday nights, and uh, we talked a few. I talked to Paula Duca a couple times, Dave Weaver, uh, and some of those guys. And uh, you know, it, it was a lot of fun to do interviews with those uh, with those folks. Yeah, certainly. Well, speaking of uh, good folks, we've got our man Big Gabe in the on-deck circle. That's right, Gabe Pruitt. We're going to get his reactions from what went on in Las Vegas. Plus, uh, he's got a, he had a busy week at Pompano Park. We're going to talk to him about what's going on in uh, at Harness Racing's winter capital when we come back on Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Hello, this is Kayla Strah, and I'm here to tell you all about BetAmerica.com. It is the fastest-growing legal, safe, and secure website to place all your bets on horse racing. BetAmerica covers over 200 racetracks from North America, the UK, and my home country, Australia. New players to BetAmerica receive a 100% bonus on your first deposit up to $300. That's the best sign-up bonus available today. It's time to play the BetAmerica way. Here at The Stable, our mission is to provide fair market for owners of yearlings while giving investors the most informative way to purchase all of or part of a horse. The Stable will cater to all budgets by having an open fractional buying market and a flat rate billing system. At The Stable, we aim to minimize the risk in buying and maximize the benefit of selling. Visit thestable.ca or give Anthony McDonald a call at 519-400-4263. That's 519-400-4263. It's thestable.ca. The New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program places retired racehorses into approved monitored homes and transitions them into second careers. 
New Vocations has placed over 350 retired standard breds the past three years. They are now accepting horses from all racetracks in the United States. New Vocations has facilities in Ohio, Kentucky, and Pennsylvania, and is expanding to New York. To learn more, visit newvocations.org and on Facebook at New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program. The action is always hot at Harness Racing's Winter Capital, Pompano Park. With guaranteed pools, constant carryovers, and industry load takeouts, Pompano Park has become one of Harness Racing's greatest horseplayer attractions. Live racing five nights per week, Sunday through Wednesday and Saturday, too, for the most time of 7.20 p.m. Eastern. Wager now at Harness Racing's Winter Capital, Pompano Park. Mike and Mike presented by Bet America. Mike Bozich along with Mike Carter right now. We're joined by our good buddy down in South Florida, Gabe Pruitt. Gabe, no bells and whistles today. This is a straight fastball, 95 miles an hour right over the center of the plate. No no bells and whistles today, buddy. Hey, the problem was I was looking for a curveball, so you, you still caught me you know, watching anyway, so I'm in big trouble. But, um, yeah, well, everything is good in uh, South Florida. We had a great week, uh, guys. Some nice pools. Pick four pools were uh, literally uh, on fire this week. Uh, we had over 18,000 and change in the pool uh, last night. The same thing Tuesday night. Uh, Monday night, we were well above uh, 14,000 and change. And, of course, the Sunday nights uh, continued to be the uh, – Best night of the week uh, in terms of the pick four pulls, over $25,000. So really some uh, great wage of action. Well, listen, he, he wasn't going to th- – he, he's throwing you a fastball, but you were expecting a curveball, and he didn't hit it out of the park, kind of like the Dodgers. Okay. I I, in spring that. training, we beat the Giants <laughs> yesterday. All is going well at this point. Uh, you know, what well, we've had a little trouble producing in October, but, uh, you know, Kershaw, we're going to get him on track this year. You know, Gabe, Gabe real quick, got... but listen, hey, Mike, before you guys get going, Gabe, I just have to tell you that I've got a good buddy that makes a living betting on nothing but spring training baseball, just so you know. So it can be done. <laughs> hey, you know what? I'm a believer. Anybody that's got a, a racket, I like it, uh, send it in. Uh, my props to him. That uh, seems a little bit out of my element, but uh, spring training. There you, you go. Get that, that in arena football. <laughs> I don't know which is uh, worse for that matter, but uh, hey, whatever works, uh, I don't knock anyone's game. Hey, 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 Gabe, real quick. I caught Mike betting highlight last week when he was here, so I don't want to hear anything, okay? He was betting highlight. Hey, that's highlight. big down here, guys. You know what? Come into Florida, and I will give you the Gambler's Paradise uh, tour of South Florida. We will certainly hit up the uh, highlight action one night. Uh, you get late night action, too, down at Damien. They start at like 10 o'clock, so it's great. Uh, we can go bet on the puppies up at Palm Beach. Uh, we've got it all down here. <laughs> Sounds hey, good to be. Fact, we can even bet on spring training baseball. Go check that out, too. <laughs> no, that's, yeah, that's beautiful, boy. I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll be broken destitute by the time the day's over. <laughs> Listen, Fred, hey, now welcome back to my world. Fred Seed won't let him back in welcome the house. Welcome to my world. Down there. <laughs> All right, Gabe. Well, listen, I got a long list of stuff to talk to you about. The first one is uh, is kind of a uh, is kind of a serious topic, though. Uh, so we saw Pinocchio is uh, scratch sick. Um, how is Pinocchio, and uh, when can we expect to see him back? 
You know, all the indications are that it's just a uh, minor issue. I think he was having uh, some tie-up type problems. He's not a big trainer, guys. That's uh, the strange thing about Pinocchio is, uh, as a matter of fact, Jim Madison has been quoted many times saying they literally don't train the horse uh, much faster than uh, 240 or so before his race appearances. So I don't think it's any uh, major. I believe uh, he's still out again this week, but uh, we're hoping to see him bounce uh, back here in a couple of uh, weeks. Now, the come-from-behind victory that I watched on Tuesday was from Modern Mercury, and what an impressive performance. This horse was sixth at the opening quarter and was flying late. Uh, Talk to us about how good Modern Mercury is and uh, where this horse uh, came from. Well, that was actually the feature of the uh, trotting mares there that night, uh, and you said it, Mike. That was a horse that I was actually trying to get such a speed favor and track here in uh, South Florida. I mean, it is literally... Uh, plays almost like a half-mile track in many cases. You have to get it away uh, first or second or maybe first uh, on the move on the outside. It's a very difficult track uh, to uh, make up a lot of ground if you're going to get away uh, far back. And uh, Modern Mercury is a pair that just doesn't have any gate speed. Uh, even with the Pantano in the uh, bike, you know, we know he's very aggressive, of course, but uh, typically always takes to the back. So I thought it was a favorite that we could beat. But uh, what an impressive effort. Uh, she'd been racing against uh, her male rivals into that uh, race prior, so she'd been keeping some good company. And uh, you said it. She closed and just stormed by that field, went by that uh, group like they were standing still. So it was a very impressive uh, performance uh, to get it done. And uh, that class, the uh, trotting mares, some weeks uh, we get the uh, open trotting mares to field, some weeks we, we don't. So sometimes you have to look for those horses. You know, they'll be facing uh, some of those tough open male rivals for a couple of weeks. Uh, and then you really see class begin to sort themselves out uh, when they draw it against uh, only mayors. Now, Gabe, we had a little bit of a uh, shocker in the open one on Sunday. And, it, you know, listen, <laughs> I I kind of complained about this one to you a little bit. But uh, we, we talked about Drack and Hanover getting defeated. Drack and Hanover kind of got stuck along the pylons and allowed the way to uh, for a uh, pretty nice uh, price in the open one on Sunday. Guys, we have talked about it so many times. I tell you, if you really follow this circuit and you follow the replays or if you do happen to watch it uh, live, you know, we have the same horse population. So they come back week after week. They race against one another. Uh, Again, you know, uh, of course, how post plays into maybe the tactics uh, that are deployed in in any particular race. But uh, believe me, I was doing a lot of complaining before uh, I even heard from you. I dragged it over because that, uh, that did not quite work out so well which uh, really I don't blame Mawabi. He left the gate there, and he followed a uh, horse, uh, McCumbers, who made the top there, one of the uh, favorites in the race. But uh, unfortunately, that horse just completely came to a stop around the uh, three-quarter pole, and that uh, wiped out uh, the horse there, Drack, and Hanover was sitting in behind him and wiped out all chance. So that's a horse that obviously comes off a, a very troubled trip. And uh, who knows, you know, we may get a bit better price on them next time, but we see time in, time out on a nightly basis, these horses that uh, sometimes have trouble at their prior starts, they get off at the solid prices and typically race well. Listen, uh, Mike's going to have to play his uh, sh- one-to-nine show bet on Drack and Hanover next week. Well, you guys have yeah, a – Yeah, uh, I think, big... you know, he may, even get, he may even get 220 off that uh, last effort. So, let's, uh, you know, Mike, I know that'll really wake him up. Yeah, hey, listen, he's going to need that 20 cents for when he comes to bet the high lie in Florida, okay? <laughs> That's right. That's right. So let's talk a little bit about the Pro-Am coming up this weekend. Uh, you've got Tim Tietrich and David Miller coming down, and both of them have drawn pretty good teams, and it looks like another competitive uh, competitive card. We're really looking forward to that. It's the first three events on a Saturday night. So we had this event last year, and uh, – it was part of a big night for us because we actually had those aisle series finals going that uh, night. Unfortunately, those did not fill this year. So our job next year is to recruit some more top-tier talents 
to South Florida so we can bring those signature events back. We still have that Pro-Am event. Uh, again, drivers David Miller, Tim Tietrich, they both uh, picked their teams. It's interesting to uh, see them in town at any time, guys, but definitely when they're competing against uh, amateur drivers, it's uh, it's very interesting. We had it last year with three races, and um, the uh, they take all the toad action in those races, as, as one could imagine. So if you do happen to like another horse uh, in the first three races on a Saturday night, uh, you know you could maybe get a uh, home run price uh, with those two guys driving in the uh, pro am event that, that would turn into an annual deal. And the Florida Amateur Driving Club they donate a ton of money to charity. Uh, Dean Spriggs, Joe Pananchio were very instrumental in all the good work and good things that they've done. And uh, they put this event together every year, so uh, kudos to them. We're happy to host it. Gabe, uh, Mike Bozich here. Uh, What were your thoughts on the – I wanted to get your thoughts on what happened in Las Vegas. Uh, Of course, we have a new president, Russell Williams. It took him a couple of uh, tries to get it. He didn't reach the magic number of 28 the first time, did get it on the second go-around. Joe Panaccio got uh, a lot of support there. I think he had uh, 17 or 18 votes the first go-around, but that's certainly not enough. Your thoughts on uh, what occurred in Vegas? Well, I thought it was interesting. I was probably following it uh, as closely as anyone else. Um, You know, it'll be interesting to see how things uh, move forward. I think Russell was pretty plain-spoken and uh, told the group uh, that he he pretty much was going to conduct business as usual. So they obviously decided that's uh, that's the way they'd like to move forward, and and that's how the uh, votes played out. Uh, I think Joe did make a, a very good showing. Uh, to end up with 19 uh, votes, you know, and uh, Joe has a solid uh, business background. Obviously, he's got the solid background in the horse industry. And, you know, I know uh, maybe from his perspective, it's unfortunate he didn't get uh, voted the president uh, of the USDA, but he has a lot to offer. He's, uh, he's a sharp guy, and uh, I think that uh, they'd be uh, remiss if they did not to keep him actively involved in, in a lot of the plans moving forward. All right, Gabe. Well, we certainly appreciate you taking time out to join us. And uh, listen, man, uh, go Cubs, go. Uh, easy now. I already get that from Bozich. I don't need it from you, too. Now, one <laughs> thing I do want to know, guys, before I get off here, of course, we've got the Pro-Am and all that coming up on Saturday. We've got another blockbuster card on Sunday with a $20,000 pick four. This is vault information, so I don't really want you to tell anyone just between us three. But uh, <laughs> okay. Bet America actually uh, really is in the mood to give away a lot of marketing dollars, apparently. That Sunday night contest they're going to run, I believe it's like 10 bucks to enter, uh, Mike. They're going to do a Sunday night Pompano contest each and every week. And the way you can double your money, I know there are other prizes if you do first, second, third, but you can actually double your money if you pick more winners than me. So it literally may be one of the easiest contests that's ever been put together in the history of horse racing. Uh, so I do want to put that out there. I'm not, I'm no, not sure if I'm at liberty to, to speak about it yet, but, you know, I'll just keep it between us uh, us three. And uh, that's supposed to start on Sunday night. So you want to keep your eyes out for that. We'll be tweeting about it and putting it on social media. But, again, it's a $10 contest with Bet America. It couldn't get much easier than having to uh, out-handicap me. Let, you know what? I want to – Go ahead, Go ahead, Mike, and I got something. Well, I just wanted to say because I just uh, recently started getting involved in those Bet America tournaments. They are them contests are unbelievable. They are a lot of fun. So anybody that hasn't had a chance, and like I say, you can get in for ten bucks. They have some for thirty-five. They have some feeders, and of course, they have the big world. Uh, the, the big handicapping contest, the big handicapping championship, the WHHC coming up at the Meadowlands at the end of April, and they've got some feeders in there the, that you can get in on their site. So they're a lot of fun, and uh, from anybody's price range, I mean, you can get in for 10 bucks, get in for 35 get in for a couple hundred, and they even have uh, contests with the Greyhounds, too, which are a lot of fun. So check it out if you haven't missed it. And, Gabe, that sounds like a lot of fun coming up Sunday. <laughs> 
Well, we're looking forward to it. I think it's going to be great. Uh, like I said, we'll be doing a lot to uh, play it up and bump it up. And uh, you know what? I'm going to be doing my homework. Just want to put out a, a warning. So that's probably good news for everyone. The longer I look, uh, the worse I'll probably be. So uh, Sunday night, we're really looking forward to it. Listen, you couldn't have been as bad as you were this Sunday. That's all I'm saying. Easy. Yeah. Hold on. That, at least that wasn't on public record. That was only on private text message. Yeah, right. <laughs> hey, listen, though. I got I got to give Gabe a little credit, though, because me and him were kind of going back and forth a little bit. I know we got a few extra minutes here. And Gabe, there was a horse that I liked in the last race. It was the two horse. He was like 20 to 1 on the morning line. And me and you were back and forth talking about it. We both kind of uh, agreed sort of on the same horse because it was a little bit of a tough field. So, uh, listen, that just proves – to everybody, including my uh, my esteemed co-host, that I can pick a pick a bomb once in a while. Yes, that was a, that was a heads up selection on your part. I will have to uh, say, and uh, I did agree that the horse had a shot, but uh, it was a good find by you. I was going so bad on Sunday night, guys. I got a horse beat that was undefeated prior in the South Florida. I believe my first uh, response back to you, Mike, was uh, Max Daddy Brutchip cannot yep. lose the fifth race tonight. Uh, he was one to five, and uh, he finished last. Now, having said that. Uh, he didn't break in stride of the stretch. He looked to be home free, and uh, unfortunately, he's done that in the past when he's racing on the East Coast, so he sort of reverted back to old habits, but uh, I even sent him off course. That's how bad I was going. <laughs> when I was at Hazel, Listen, when I was at Hazel Park, I used to have trainers calling me, please don't pick my horse this week. Please don't pick my horse this week. <laughs> That's, uh, I can relate to that, believe me. Gabe, listen, this uh, this has become, and I, I got to say, we, we get a lot of feedback on a lot of our segments, but we get more feedback on this segment than we do any other, and uh, a lot of people enjoy listening to it, so we certainly appreciate you having it coming on every week and uh, doing this with us. I'm always happy to be on, guys. We love talking about the uh, racing and, and all the industry events so with you guys, especially what's going on here at Pompado, and hopefully that uh, feedback that doesn't revolve around people begging to cancel this segment. So uh, happy to hear that. I'm always happy uh, to be on with you guys. All right, Gabe. We'll see you next week, buddy. Uh, thanks, guys. All right. That was Gabe Pruitt. And listen, like th- this has become one of the best sh- segments that we uh, we have done here on this show, and it's it's been a lot of fun. Well, it just goes to show you what kind of guy Gabe Pruitt is. I mean, Gabe's one of those guys that loves the industry. He's very aware of what the gamblers want, and he's in a position down in Florida, uh, Pompano Park, where, uh, you know, him along with Brett Revington, uh, who was uh, there before him, and and even John Yinger, who was there before him, I mean, just took a very good, passionate approach to racing, giving uh, gamblers a great wagering menu, uh, giving them uh, good carryovers and uh, good guarantees. And, and I'll tell you what, it's it's helped. I mean, you could tell that the gambling product down in South Florida has really improved, and people like playing Pompano Park, you know, especially Sunday night. And, and uh, you know, one of the interesting things, Mike, about winter racing is that there's, and I knew this, but, you know, when you're watching on a Sunday night, it doesn't really sink in. But, I mean, besides Pompano on a Sunday night during the winter, boy, there's nothing going on. I mean, you've got Redu Carlton, you've got Flamborough. Uh, but Pompano pretty much has the stage themselves on Sunday nights, and they do very well. Yeah, they do. And it's uh, they're a lot of fun and competitive. So that makes it a lot more fun as well, Mike. Certainly. Well, we're going to get back down to business when we come back. Another gaming bill is uh, expanded gaming bill is going through the ranks of the Illinois legislature. And we had a chance to sit down and talk to the executive director of the Illinois Harness Horsemen's Association, Tony Simone. The bill did pass the Senate uh, 31 to 26, getting one more, more than one vote 
that it needed to head to the House, and we're going to hear what exactly that bill entails and how it could impact Illinois harness racing in a positive way. We'll hear that in just a moment on Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Northwood stands ready to serve its growing customer base in representing them at both yearling and mixed sales and in private purchases of racing and breeding stock. If you're looking into the harness racing marketplace as a buyer or seller, call Northwood today. Northwood is the most experienced and professional representation for public auction and private sales. Northwood is now accepting entries to the 2017 yearling sales. Visit them online at northwoodbloodstock.com. That's northwoodbloodstock.com. After last year's record-setting season, Running Aces Casino and Racetrack in beautiful Minnesota is gearing up for its 10th anniversary season of live harness racing action from May 20th to September 16th this year. Come join the first-class racing at our top-notch facility. For horsemen, stall applications are available starting February 15th and are due by March 15th. For racing fans, Running Aces will also be adding more excitement with additional new multi-race wagers this season. You can find our product at most simulcasting facilities across North America and on your favorite ADW site. For simulcasting agreements, contact Ben Blum at Running Aces. Don't miss any of the action. For more information, visit our website, runaces.com. We're back on Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Mike Bozich, along with Mike Carter. And right now, we're joined by the executive director of the Illinois Harness Horsemen's Association, Tony Simone. Uh, Tony, welcome to the program. Uh, we have some business to talk about as uh, the Illinois Senate just passed Senate Bill 7. Uh, and here we go again, Tony. It seems it's uh, a bill to allow uh, casinos at racetracks and slots at racetracks, and we'll talk about that in just a moment. But, Tony, first wanted to get your thoughts on uh, certainly a guy that I looked up to growing up uh, wanting to be an announcer in the Chicago area, Tony Salvero. And, of course, a couple of months ago we just lost Phil George F., and now we lose Tony Salvero, longtime uh, voice at Maywood Park, uh, voice of, uh, gosh, Chicago Harness Racing, along with Peter Galassi for a number of years at Balmoral. Any uh, thoughts that you'd like to share on uh, Tony? Um, well, first of all, Mike, thanks, uh, thanks so much for asking me to be a part of this show. And um, yes, you know, Tony uh, Salvaro, uh, it, it was a legend. Uh, as you know, you looked up to him, and I had an opportunity to work very closely with Tony in the press box at Maywood Park for a, a number of years. And, uh, you know, with Tony, what you saw was what you got. He was all class. He was uh, always had a smiling face, and he was a great, great promoter of the sport. And that is without saying about what a great harness racing announcer he was. He made every race sound like it was the little brown jug. He made every owner, every trainer, every driver a celebrity. He pegged them with nicknames. He was a terrific, terrific ambassador uh, for the sport and uh you know, it's a, uh, it's just, uh, it's just very upsetting to me, and it's very terrible that uh, you know we lost him uh, basically before, uh, before his time was really due, and uh, it's, uh, it's an unfortunate situation. But yes, he was, uh, he was terrific. 
Donnie Salvaro will certainly be missed, not only in the state of Illinois, but uh, certainly a loss for all of harness racing. Uh, Tony, uh, moving right along, the uh, Illinois uh, Senate just passed uh, Senate Bill 7 to allow slots at racetracks. It passed narrowly, 31 to 26, uh, one more vote than uh, it needed. It needed 30. Can you give us a little bit of insight as to what exactly is in the bill, some of the meat and potatoes? Uh, sure, uh, Mike. The Senate Bill 7, uh, as you said, uh, made it out of the Senate committee uh, yesterday. And it's a very, very good bill uh, for horse racing in the state of Illinois. It's very similar to the same ones that we passed uh, in 2011 and 2012, which were eventually vetoed by the governor. Uh, but as far as the horse racing piece, uh, they're, they're very similar. Uh, unfortunately, what we needed to do was we needed to add some language because uh, as you know, and so many of your uh, listeners and fans know, the uh, the uh, it, it's we've changed uh, in Illinois with losing Maywood and Balmoral. Those bills back in 2011 and 12 were tied to racing at Maywood and Balmoral. So we needed to add some language to uh, allow for another potential racino uh, to come in to race standard bred racing, and uh, we were successful in doing that. So. Senate Bill 7 right now is a very, very good bill. Uh, it will give uh, Illinois horse racing the jump start that we absolutely need to get back on a level playing field with the other states. It provides uh, a very good, uh, fair uh, percentage of the adjusted gross revenue from the uh, slots activity. Uh, it, uh, it, it guarantees us live racing opportunities. In this day and age, uh, with... Uh, new corporations and new companies coming in with racetracks. It's very, very important that horsemen hang on to their live racing opportunities. And so that was an integral uh, piece of the puzzle that is, is part of this bill. Uh, and it also uh, will enhance the Illinois uh, breeding program. I happen to believe that uh, the breeding program uh, is the backbone of our entire horse racing uh, industry. And uh, this will really, really enhance our program. It'll get our program back to the spot that we uh, want it to be. So uh, uh, it's going to be a long uh, hurdle. Uh, we still have uh, three months to go. Uh, May 31st is when the session ends. I would love to say it's going to all happen in the next couple of weeks, but history has showed uh, me that it'll probably move on till the end of May. But hopefully at that point in time, uh, politics won't get in the way, so to speak and we'll be able to uh, advance this bill, move this, fo move this forward, get, uh, uh, get its passage in the House, and eventually get the governor to sign off, uh, because I, I do believe that we can turn this thing uh, around quickly uh, in the state. When I say quickly, you know, within a matter of two or three years. Visiting with Tony Simone. Tony is the executive director of the IHHA, the Illinois Harness Horsemen's Association. Tony, for those people that are listening outside of uh, the state of Illinois that may not really be too familiar with the political landscape uh, of the state of Illinois, what are some of the obstacles uh, that you guys face when trying to pass a bill of this magnitude? Well, the biggest problem that we have right now is uh, it is being put together as a grand bargaining package. Uh, there are 13 bills uh, that are part of the big bargaining package. We are the, the bill that is the revenue side. The other 12 bills are part of the budget uh, decisions that are being made. Being made. So the, the most difficult part of our decision 
uh, or part of watching this unfold is knowing that we only play a small piece of the puzzle because it's not a standalone type of bill. Uh, we need the other bills to pass as well. And quite frankly, those, those other bills, uh, uh, pension bills and, and uh, workman's comp uh, reform, big uh, hot uh, issues in the state of Illinois. So I'm very confident that in itself that we would be able to pass uh, this uh, big gaming bill uh, on itself. But that's just not the deal right now. Uh, so I, uh, I hope that uh, the powers to be uh, within, uh, within our General Assembly, the uh, Illinois General Assembly, uh, can figure this all out. And uh, 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 we'll, uh, we'll go along for the ride and we'll get our uh, piece of the puzzle, which we've been asking for uh, for so long. With Maywood and Balmoral Park out of the picture, and I think uh, most of the harness racing community knows that the relationship between the ownership of Maywood and Balmoral Park in the state of Illinois was rocky sometimes, to say the best. Uh, do you believe that not having Maywood and Balmoral and that ownership around help would help a bill like this? Well, that's a uh, that's a very interesting uh, question, and, and no, I would say um, it doesn't uh, it doesn't matter. Uh, the landscape, uh, again, back in 2011 and 2012, uh, Maywood and Balmoral still existed then. And, again, we were able to, to get it done. It's just we couldn't get a signature from the governor. So uh, here we are. It's 2017. Maywood and Balmoral, as you say, are not in the picture. Um, but, uh, um, yes, I mean, our, our relationship uh, was uh, contentious at times. But uh, uh, I'm not going to say that just because they're out of the picture, uh, it'll be uh, it'll be good for us that we're going to get this thing uh, get this thing finally uh, uh, passed and put to rest uh, because of their lack of presence. I, I can't say that. Tony, one last question before we let you go. And uh, like you say, we've you know been around this block before, where it seems like that uh, bills like this have made some political headway, only to get shut off uh, nearing the finish line. What makes you more optimistic this time around, as opposed to uh, when we were here uh, a couple of years ago? I guess my answer would be I'm I'm an optimist. I'm a realist, but I'm an optimist, and I understand that the, the state of Illinois is broke. I mean, we have so many problems, and I, I just uh, I'm hoping that common sense uh, comes into play at some point in time. That uh, there's a big uh, revenue piece out there, uh, and we uh, are, are part of it. Uh, the big gaming package is part of it. Uh, nobody wants taxes raised. Uh, nobody wants any of these other uh, silly ideas. But uh, we're hanging out here, and there's a there's a lot of revenue that could be uh, made for the state of Illinois from this. So uh, uh, again, I'm hoping that uh, this is the year that uh, you know we can we can get it all uh, together and, uh, and and to move on. So um, yes, I guess I, I'm just an optimist, and uh, you know I believe in what we do, and I believe in the industry, and so uh, I'm just a little bit a uh, little bit more hopeful. Tony Simone, the executive director of the IHHA. Tony, I actually lied. I do have one more question for you because you're currently out in Las Vegas as a part of Harness Horsemen's International, of course, uh, capping a, a week of the Ushua Awards, and we've got a new USDA president, a lot of going on to have some new officers. Uh, give us your thoughts on what's transpired in uh, Las Vegas over these past few days. Well, you know, it's been uh, very, very uh, productive, at least from uh, my personal standpoint. You know, it gives uh, the, the horsemen an opportunity to all come together for three or four days to uh, speak with somebody who's like-minded, who has 
similar problems. Uh, we can compare notes, and um, you know we can uh, help each other uh, to help uh, ourselves and in, in our individual states. You know, regarding the USTA uh, meetings, you know that's obviously uh, uh, more of a uh, international or at least a, a, a U.S.-based uh, uh, organization. Uh, I'm not directly involved with that. I obviously pay close attention. Uh, they're more of a rulemaking and administrative type of uh, organization. And, uh, you know, there were some people that were hoping for some change uh, in leadership uh, there with uh, uh, Mr. Langley, Phil Langley, uh, stepping aside. Uh, but, um, you know, Russell Williams was elected. Uh, seems to be a popular guy. Uh, seems to be a good guy. And, uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see how this all uh, uh, transpires. And, uh, um, you know, we'll just hope for the best. All right, we're back now live with Post Time with Mike and Mike. Uh, Mike Bozich along with Mike Carter. Post Time with Mike and Mike presented by Bet America. And, uh, Mike, that was Tony Simone, the executive director of the Illinois Harness Horsemen's Association. Once again, another bill is making its rounds heading towards Springfield, Illinois, uh, hoping to get some expanded gaming going, uh, some slots at racetracks at Arlington Park and Hawthorne. Park and uh, Hawthorne Racecourse, and an interesting part of that, Mike, was that with Balmoral and Maywood not in the picture anymore, this bill would actually open up another Racino license and would open the door for another track to be built in Illinois if it does pass, Mike. Yeah, definitely, and I guess my question would be, could we get DuCoin to come back into the mix? Could we get, you know, another track, another mile track to come in, another 5-H track? It'll be interesting to see uh, what happens in Illinois and where they put this thing. Yeah, certainly, and like I told Tony off the air, I think a healthy Illinois, as far as harness racing is concerned, is definitely huge for the entire business. When we come back, uh, we're going to talk about some of the rule proposals. Uh, Mike, I know you were uh, doing some uh, dirty work and digging and and, uh, came up with some of the rule proposals. We're going to debate those a little bit coming up next before we wrap up on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Consider who we are. According to the 2010 equine census, we are 28,340 people with 81,000 horses on 16,040 properties that comprise 587,000 acres. Our assets are $5.6 billion. Our direct operating expenses are $363 million. And our economic impact has never been accurately measured, but is in the billions. We are every breed and every discipline in the horse world, and we are the place where many of those disciplines began in these United States. We are the Maryland Horse Council. For more information, visit mdhorsecouncil.org. That's mdhorsecouncil.org. on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, Mike Carter, alongside of Mike Bozich. And Mike, earlier you mentioned, and I want to talk about this real quick, that it was beautiful in Elkton, Maryland. Let me tell you something. It started out at 6 a.m. yesterday with tornadoes and ended at 11 o'clock last night with snow. It was the wildest <laughs> day I've ever seen in my life. We went from yeah. 
severe storms to snow on the ground. I couldn't believe it. Well, you know, that's how it is in March in the Midwest. I know I've pl- I've spent plenty of marches in the Midwest. I've I've seen it when there's uh, three feet of snow on the ground, and I've seen it when it's 80 degrees. So you never know what you're going to get with uh, with the beautiful month of March. But I got to tell you, out here, at least on the East Coast anyway, and I know pretty much in the Midwest too, the, the winter has been really, really nice. I mean, we've had some 70-degree days out here in February, and uh, who knows, maybe they've got something with this climate change because uh, this is certainly unlike anything I've seen uh, for a winter. Yeah, definitely. Well, let's talk a little bit about the rule changes. And, Mike, I'm gonna, I want to get this one out of the way because it kind of it, it bugs me a little bit. And, uh, you know, we, we've discussed it a little bit off the air, but it's rule number eight on the list that the USTA sent out, and it's where uh, 5% of such earnings would revert back to the horse for care of the horse upon retirement from racing. And while I didn't watch... Uh, the USTA meeting about this and kind of the debate about this. My biggest qualm is everybody says, you know, we need to worry about the horse's aftercare. We need to worry about the horse's aftercare. Why can't we get this passed? Yeah, just do it. I mean, it's just one of those things. And I think you brought up a good point where if you talk to anybody on an individual basis, whether they be a USDA director or USDA member, whoever they are in the industry, it seems like it's got overwhelming support. I mean, I don't think I've ever talked to anybody that says, no, that's a terrible idea. We can't do that. I mean, it's got overwhelming support. I think we should uh, just go ahead and pull the trigger on it and do it. And like you asked Derek, and I thought Derek brought up a good point where, you know, it's tough to get people to take money out of their pockets. But I think especially when we have the surplus of money that we do in this current uh, slot regime, so to speak, I think we should just pull the trigger on it and just just do it. My other uh, my other qualm with the whole USTA rule changes was rule number four, and it was a proposal to amend rule 6.15B9 by adding the following sentence. Race is contested at a distance greater than a mile. Each horse time shall include a mile rating. Why can't we do this? International racing, France, Sweden, uh, we, we've looked at programs from France, Mike, and they all have a mile rating. Why can't we have that here? Well, especially when all the races and a lot of the races are pretty much the standard mile distance. I mean, I know there have been people, gamblers, um, that basically they look at these mile and a 16th or extra distance races at Yonkers that are sprinkled out through the past performance lines of the programs. And because they don't have a mile rating, they're kind of tough to figure out. So a lot of times they'll just pass the race. I mean, any time right. that you can help the gambler with the dispersion or the uh, dispersing accurate information and quality information and good information, that is definitely important to the handicappers as they try to put together a race, why not just do it for crying out loud? Exactly. Those are the two that I have an issue with. So go go for it from there because those well, are the no, two that's, biggest ones. Yeah, th- that's good. I mean, I you know, I just wanted to say that I congratulate all the Ushua winners. It was great watching that on YouTube. So congratulations to them. You know, we had the big USTA elections. I thought that uh, each individual – would have been more than capable of running. And I think Russell Williams is a, is a real nice guy. And he really pretty much did lie. He said he was the establishment candidate and that's the platform that he ran on. But I think Russell is very in tune with the limitations of the USTA and what the, the limitations of the USTA president. I mean, you know, you have to think, you know, we weren't electing God here. Okay. I mean, the USDA president is very limited as far as to what he's, what he can do, although he does have uh, quite a bit of influence. And I think Russell is, 
very, very in tune to the limitations of, of what the president and the USDA can do. So congratulations to Russell. I've heard nothing but great things about him, especially uh, working in the state of Pennsylvania. Um, and also congratulations to Ivan Axelrod. And that race was pretty close, Mike. Ivan Axelrod uh, was thinking on Gabe Wand. It was for the chairman of the United States Drowning Association. And I believe that vote was what, like 29-24 or something? That was quite a horse race. So uh, congratulations well, yeah, to Ivan, and we had both, yeah we have both of them guys on the show, and I'll tell you what both of them guys uh, are very very good guys. So congratulations to Ivan for retaining that seat, and uh, Don Marine, uh, the, we we actually interviewed uh, Steve Oldford, we interviewed Alan Levitt, but we did not have a chance to interview Don Marine because he was in his duties. He is uh, an actual politician in the main legislature, uh, so Don Marine is the new assistant. A vice chair, so congratulations to Don. Well, I shouldn't say assistant; he's vice chair. So congratulations <laughs> to uh, Don Marine and uh, to all the officers. Uh, but one that really touched me, Mike, and I touched on it before, and I'll just say something brief about it again. Uh, somebody that got the Unsung Hero Award, and congratulations to her, Barbara Brooks. I mean, she's been there for 62 years. She's obviously very, very touched. Uh, she's one of those people that you can tell just you know go about her business. I uh, don't want to, you know, a lot of the accolades, but uh, it was a big congratulations to everybody that that uh, nominated her and, and uh, voted her in because that was a big time deserved award. Congratulations to uh, the Unsung Hero Award, Barbara Brooks, and all the award winners, Mike. Yeah, definitely. They're all well-deserving, and uh, who knows? Maybe next year uh, we'll, we'll grace our presence with that stage, Mike. And listen, they're having the uh, meeting in Columbus next year. So uh, I, I think I'm going to have to request a couple of days off of work and be our kind of our correspondent uh, for uh, for that thing because you know what I'd like to go down and just you know witness uh, witness what goes on at those things. Yeah, I mean it's a great atmosphere. I guess attendance was very very good. Uh, the fact that uh, you know it's streamed now is awesome. I mean you could watch it in the confines of your own home, uh, and obviously the social media thing has really enhanced that. I know Heather Wilder was doing a lot of Facebook Live. I know Heather Vitali was doing a lot of Facebook Live. You know, kind of getting you behind the scenes of what was going on those things. So a uh, big uh, you know high five and congrats to uh, all them guys. Anything else, Mike? No, I think that'll do it. We'll be back next week with a first post of 1 o'clock. Listen, no Sunday show this week, and uh, we are back to one scheduled, one scheduled show a week, uh, at least until uh, at least for the immediate future. We've got some big stuff coming up next week. Make sure you join us here on Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Good night, everybody. Closing time, turn all of the lights on over every boy and every girl. Closing time, one last call for alcohol, so finish your whiskey or beer. Closing time, you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. No!